0: Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic your business is on the runway, ready the right to take off, you need to get yet your team Sonic is not breakthrough even making contact. You're exhausted, and the business needs to make performance performance. more money to stay and successful. And what do you, do you do next? Next? Welcome to Ask the Coach with professional business coach Oliver Bazner. If you're ready to, to soar new to new heights with your business and be the pilot of your own successful destiny, stay tuned. We're ready to roll. Now, here's your host, Oliver Bazner. for joining me. Very, very excited to be talking about the third success piece of a successful business. So we've talked about the first two in the last couple episodes, but I I really do believe there's four success pieces to any successful business. So let's go over them really quickly. Clarity. the first success piece systems would be your second success piece and today we're gonna focus all on growth that is the third success piece to every successful business and so why is growth important well I really believe if you own a business or you're running a company you're either growing or you're dying there's no in between because if you're standing still or you're holding steady and your competitors are getting smarter faster more agile they're gonna move ahead of you so really it's an illusion that you're standing still because even if your revenues are staying the same and your profitability is holding strong, but it's not really improving, your competitors are eventually gonna overtake you. And so you're either growing or you're dying. So that's why we're focusing on that third success piece today, which is growth. You know, the other thing that I see a lot is I see a lot of businesses that have great products and great services, and then we get into a tough economy or something happens and, and all of a sudden their revenues aren't what they used to be and they don't really know how to grow they they've got this amazing product or they deliver this this fantastic service to to their customers or clients but they have no idea what to do to get growth and to make that growth happen that's why we're talking about it that's why i believe it's such an ex- important and essential piece to the puzzle and then you can't be the best kept secret and grow it's just not how it works you know years ago i used to frequent a uh, little greek restaurant here in in calgary where i live and uh, the, uh, the waiter got to know me because my office was right across the street and he said, yeah, we're the best kept uh, secret Greek restaurant in the city. Well, that's not the model you want for your business because obviously if you're the best kept secret, you're not gonna continue to grow and people aren't gonna know about you. So let's get you stop and be in a secret. Let's talk about some of the things that, that I've considered in the past around growth with my clients as a coach and uh, hopefully you'll get some new ideas. Now, the first thing, the most important thing is, do you have some, some structures and measurements in place to support your future, future growth? Now, we talked about systems and structure in the last episode, so if you missed it, go back. You can listen to it. Um, but what about the measurements? How are you measuring your success? How do you even know you're going to get there? Years ago, I was brought into a brewery. Because the sales and profitability had been declining for three years, and and they were looking like they were going to continue to decline. They were losing market share. And the first thing I asked the relatively uh, new boss that was there, I said, so where's the budget? And he wrote down a couple of numbers on a piece of scrap paper, and he slid the pad across the table to me. And he said, here's your budget. And I said, well, what do you mean? Here's my budget. I see a couple of numbers written down, but how's, how's this broken up? Is it broken up by territory, by sales rep, by product line? Like, how are we managing the spend? Is it, is it by product category? Uh, who's who's in charge of the spend? Who's looking after the purse strings? All of those questions. And he said, there's no budget. I don't know. Remember, he was relatively new there as well. And he was brought in for the same reason I was to, to help turn things around. But how can you run a a 40 million dollar company that's publicly traded without so much as a budget as to where you were going to go that's what I walked into and so if you don't have any measurements and I don't care how big you are or how small you are you've got to have some kind of measurements in place because if you're shooting for a target and there's no target that you're shooting for I guarantee you're you going to hit it because you're not shooting for anything you know it's it's kind of well, we can build off of last year right? and that's what, uh, that's what we finally end up doing. I pulled last year's numbers in this brewery and we, we started to build the budget for the new year and, and allocated the funds and, and we had something to shoot towards. But building from the past is really looking at the past and building from there building a budget or something to shoot towards is, is starting with the end in mind and working backwards. It's a totally different perspective and it's a total different, totally different way of looking at the growth of your business. And so that's the first thing you wanna consider. Now, the other thing is I ask businesses all the time what their conversion rate is. Some of them look at me and they don't even know what I mean by conversion rate, but really conversion rate is pretty simple if you talk to a thousand people, how many of them are you converting into some kind of paying client or customer? So if you're talking to a thousand people and your conversion rate is 50%, that means you're closing 500 of that thousand. That's a really great conversion. I actually did work with an NHL hockey team that had a 50% conversion rate when I got there. Uh, they had a lot of you know warm leads. You know, They were well known, obviously being a hockey team and um, they had lots of what they call inbound calls and so they would convert about 50% of their inbound calls into some kind of paying client, paying customer. Uh, and then when we did some work with them, we we managed to move their conversion rate. And so if you move the conversion rate slightly, you can improve your your revenues and your profitability. So what's your conversion rate? And every time I ask this of a business owner, the number they give me is pretty much, I can almost promise you, going to be higher than what it actually is when we measure it. So if they say, "Oh yeah, I convert like 70, 80% of the people I talk to." And then we measure it and the number's more like 40 or 50% or maybe it's only 20 or 30%. So they they're they're really thinking they're doing much better on converting a potential client into a customer than they really are. So what's your conversion rate? If you don't know or if you only think you know, I want you to start measuring it. I want you to start really thinking about that growth from a conversion rate side, because even just tweaking your conversion rate by 10% gives you a pretty healthy increase in your business. Now, who's referring the business to you? Have you ever looked at who your, your greatest referrers are? Who the referral partners that you have and if you have them how are you thanking them you know so often i come come across businesses who have strong referral partners you know they have organizations and and people that are referring business all the time but they have no structure on how they're thanking them so how are you thanking your referral partners do you even know who they are and have you measured how much business you're getting as a result of those referral partners what's your growth plan well is it in writing so having a growth plan in your head isn't really a growth plan. It's it's a wish, but till you actually crunch numbers, start putting things down on paper, you don't really have a solid growth plan. So what's your growth plan and is it in writing? And how are you marketing? You know, you can listen to one of my past shows. We did the 10 P's of marketing. We're not gonna go through them today, but uh, the 10 P's of marketing is really a strategy that becomes a complete circle. If we start with the first P and we go all the way through the 10 P's of marketing, it just becomes a circle of continuous business moving through your establishment. <clears throat> so how are you going to market? How, marketing is really how you're generating the leads. How are people hearing about you? And then what's your sales strategy or process? And again, you know, listen to one of my past episodes, we talked about the 10 P's of selling. You know, 10 P's of selling, again, our are, are complete circle when we start with, with the first P and we move through all 10 P's, we've taken them through a complete sales process. And so what's your sales process? How are you closing those th- leads that you receive through your marketing strategies? How are you converting them? What's your conversion rate? But how are you converting them into paying clients and customers? Now, the other thing is often I find, in, in, especially in large organizations, nobody really knows what the profitable products are or the pro- product offerings are it's amazing to me how people just assume they know what the profitable categories are the profitable products are until they start measuring well what's the cost to produce the product maybe one's more labor-intensive maybe one requires higher quality ingredients I mean there's maybe some require imported um, raw materials things that they have to buy at a higher cost in the marketplace so what's the most profitable products you know years ago when I worked for a large battery company we knew exactly what, what our profitable products were, and when we talked to our sales teams, they were trying to push the larger packs of batteries, you know, buy the 24 packs, buy the 48 packs. Yet our most profitable products were the four packs and the two packs, because we were able to get a much higher per battery, per cell we used to call them, but per battery profit than we did on those large packs that we had to deeply discount to compete with our competitors. So by changing our focus and and educating our sales teams on that they really should be selling the more profitable products and giving them the better exposure in the retail environment in the stores where the customers will see them, we ended up raising our overall profitability. Sure, sales might not be quite as high, but it's not about sales. Revenues are very important, but ultimately it's gotta be profitable sales. Who's your target client? Who are you going after and how will you get to them? Well, I can sell to everybody. Sure you can. You can sell to everybody and the minute you say you can sell to everybody, you're selling to nobody because it is impossible for any organization or company to be marketing to everybody in the marketplace. You've got to define who your ideal client is, why they're an ideal client, how they're unique, what's different about them and then how are you going to go after them? Where do they hang out? You know a company that I'm working with right now wants to go after trades well where did trades hang out do they read trade journals do they have organizations that they're a part of is are there trade shows that you can be involved in so you have to ask yourself some of those questions but first you have to figure out who's the, who's even the right target who's the right profitable client and who needs the most of help or, or the most of your service or products that you offer and then once you've identified your your ideal target you know again when we're talking about growth so important i talked to a a naturopath yesterday about this is how are you really different than your competitors not how you differ are you different how are you really different everybody says they give the best service or they have the best product offering or they care the most well that's not a real point of difference because everybody's if i'm looking for naturopaths or healthcare practitioners everybody's going to tell me they give me the best best care you know they've got a great education you know they have outstanding supplements everybody's gonna say that right but somebody's lying to me because everybody can't be delivering the same level of service and can't have all the best products So how are you really different? So when we started to dig deep with this naturopath, well, he's highly educated in injections. So there's a whole category of injectable things that he does that other naturopaths might not even be trained in. Well, that's a unique point of difference, especially in the marketplace that he's in because we checked, To our knowledge, and as he's still doing some digging on this, because we just talked about it yesterday, but to his knowledge, nobody else was even doing it in his marketplace. And so that makes him extremely unique, especially if he can sell the value proposition to his patients or potential patients around why that's important. You know, and then, you know, anything around growth, you're going to have objections. I mean, if you're in business, you're going to have objections. People are going to object. Or have questions. I really see objections as unanswered questions. But people are gonna have objections as to how, you know, why they would do business with you. They're gonna want their questions answered. I can tell you one of the objections that's common in pretty much every industry, doesn't matter what the product or service is, is the price. Right, so somewhere along the line, somebody's gonna object about the price, and you have to figure out are you gonna be the lowest cost provider in the marketplace, or are you gonna be middle of the road, or are you gonna be the highest? And what's the reason for it? And how are you able to differentiate at those different price points? And then how do you close? It's amazing to me how even professional salespeople are scared to ask for the order, they'd rather not get the order then receive a no which they would likely take personally or as personal rejection. I mean if you can't handle rejection you shouldn't be in any kind of business that requires you to close or, or, or produce sales or revenue and that's most businesses by the way. So what I'm really saying is if you're in business you better get over the fear of rejection. Years ago when I was working as a buyer for a retail chain, You know, one of the things that that would happen is sometimes we'd get the new people coming in, the new salespeople or the untrained salespeople who really didn't have a good training before they even put them out there to to come talk to us as buyers. And I remember specifically there was this one, one salesperson that came in Uh, he was he was new to me I don't know how new he was to the industry but he was new to me first time that I'd met him and he was talking to me about all the great benefits of their product line and he just went on and on about how good this stuff was and some of the research and all that stuff and at the end he'd left me some information and he never went for the clothes he never asked me for the order and I remember thinking after he left that Why wouldn't he have asked me for the order? All he would have got was a maybe, a no, or a yes, right? And at that point, I don't know that I was a yes, but I was more yes than I was no. He might have actually closed me. And so he came in for a follow-up meeting, good for him to actually book a follow-up appointment, went through a whole bunch of other stuff and still didn't ask me for the order. And, and quite frankly, I never did buy from him. Or why, because he never asked. It wasn't that I was being mean, but he never even asked me for the business. So it's great, you've got this great product or service, but if you're scared to ask for the order, how are you ever gonna get an order? The worst case scenario is you're gonna get a no. Well, you're no further behind than when you started. Now that's easy for me to say here. But I know it's so much more difficult when we get into the into the practice and reality of the marketplace. You know, Brian Tracy, uh, speaker and trainer Brian Tracy says you have to get to a point where you have ice water in your veins. And that is that that rejection just doesn't bother you at all. You don't ever take it personally. And so that's where you want to get to, you know, when we're talking about asking for the order, because if you're in, in any kind of business even if you're an employee in a business at some point somebody has to ask for an order or there's going to be no business. So we're going to go to a break when we come back I'm going to talk about several areas that you can focus in on uh, around closing and around how you're how you're getting the business all those areas around the growth piece so uh, we'll be right back after this commercial. Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can help provide the right tools you need to get there. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching works with business owners to improve both team and financial performance, and with a proven track record of successfully helping owners and leaders turn around negative performance and morale and soar sales and profit performance to new levels. The time is now. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, helping good businesses breakthrough to great. Visit soniccoaching.com. Welcome back everyone, you're listening to Ask the Coach. I'm your host, Oliver Baysner. We are talking about the four success pieces to any business. Today we're talking about the third success piece, which is growth. First one is clarity, second one is systems. If you've missed them, listen to our previous podcasts on that. Today we're talking about growth. It's all about the growth. If you're not growing, you're dying. And so I wanna move right into you know some of the secrets to selling, some of the secrets to closing. Um, they they seem so elusive I find for businesses why aren't they doing well and I've seen this in massive companies as well I've seen it in multi multi multi-million dollar corporations where they're having a hard time getting the business and closing the business but they're just not putting enough focus on it, or the focus isn't in the right area. So pri- prior to our commercial break, I talked a little bit about how are you going to market? What are you, you know, what are you doing to actually attract that business? How are you closing the sale? What are you doing for sales? You know, again, listen to one of our past shows: ten P's of marketing, ten P's of selling. All the information is there. You know, then I want to talk. You know, we talked a little bit about you know what are your most profitable products are you even selling the right products I just had a client that came into my office about an hour ago and that was our, po- our point of conversation you know they're in a bunch of different spaces in their business you know they they serve different marketplaces and one of them doesn't seem to be that profitable so you know we've we've really put some some structure in place to measure the profitability moving forward to see if that's even a viable category and if if it's not profitable or barely profitable how are they gonna make it more profitable and they can't make if they can't make it more profitable then why keep doing it you know working for free isn't the answer so you know maybe they can move into a new product category or continue to grow the areas of their business that are more profitable how are you really different than your competitors. You know, you can't just say you have the best product or service. We talked about that prior to break. How are you really different than your competitors? So that in the minds of your prospective clients, there is such a difference that there's nobody else in the marketplace that they would rather do business with. So let's talk about, you know, the the some of the secrets of selling. You know, there's really three areas of sales that are important: prospecting, presenting, and closing. Let me repeat those. Prospecting, presenting, and closing are the three areas of sales. That's everything there is to it. It's that simple. So, where are you weakest? So, when I talk about prospecting, give yourself a quick rating one to 10, 10 being you're a magician. I mean, you are fantastic at prospecting. You can open doors, you can prospect all day long and be fantastic at it. One to 10, 10, you're excellent, one, you don't even know how prospecting works. And then presenting, how are you when you get in front of that potential client? You know, 10, you can close almost every client or and if you can't close them, it's simply because maybe there's something that, you know, timing's wrong or they can't afford you. But for the most part, you're a fantastic presenter and everybody wants to do business with you when you get in front of them. And how are you with the close? Can you actually get that order? Or how is your close? Are you asking for the order? Or are you scared to ask for the order because you're scared of rejection? Again, 1 to 10, rate yourself. Now, the one you give, if you've given yourself the lowest rating on is probably the one you want to focus on. So when I look at myself prospecting, presenting, and closing, I have no problem closing. I will ask for the order every single time I get in front of a prospective client. I'll do trial closes and then I'll do, uh, you know, follow that up with some closes depending on, on how I'm reading that prospective client. Um, presenting, I can present. I have a great sales process that I take my clients through. It it's, adds a lot of value to their business whether they work with me or not they're gonna feel and know that their business is moving in the right direction because I've given them some ideas on how to continue to move forward and then prospecting is probably the area where if I'm gonna be weakest I'm pretty good at prospecting but I could be better at it so that's the area that probably I want to focus on I took myself through this prior to this uh, this show you know I actually thought about where am I looking to improve and for me it's prospecting so I'll put a plan in place Uh, This week, and we'll talk. You know, we'll figure out how we're going to do a better job of prospecting, and how I'm going to move forward even more from the prospecting side. Where are you weakest? Maybe you've got tons of potential leads, you just can't close them. Well, maybe it's closing or presenting that's a problem for you. So think about that. There's only three things you have to worry about sales. So which one are you the weakest at? Focus on that one first, then focus on the next weakest after you've mastered the uh, the weakest. You know, selling is really not about selling anymore. You know, it used to be years ago that everybody, you know, everybody would train. And, you know, and this is going back a few decades. It was fact-based sell. Give them the facts. Clients are smart. Customers are smart. They'll know what to choose when you give them all the facts. And then somebody said, well, no, that doesn't really work. You've got to build a relationship with everybody. Become their best friend and they'll want to do business with you. Well, I can tell you that doesn't work either. You know, just because you've got a great relationship, you know, we're in a pretty tough economy right now where I'm living and um, relationships are still helping, but they're not everything anymore. Because even with the relationships, you know, when you're in a tough economy, it really is about sometimes getting the best pricing or, or what you think is the best bang for your buck. And so sales is really about asking great questions. And particularly in Canada, where I live, we're, we're, we're nice and we're polite. And I say we're often too polite. We're scared to go deep on the questions. We'll ask a lot of questions, but we might keep it fairly at a surface level. We don't go deep on asking the questions. We don't drill deep on the pain points. We don't drill deep on the reason that we're actually sitting across from the perspective client. We don't go deep on what it is they need as a solution. Because if we go deep on the questioning, and we ask enough great questions, Ultimately the client almost closes themselves because you've asked the right questions. You've provided the that provides the opportunity for you to talk about what it is you have to offer. And when you're done, they felt enough of the pain that they're making the decision probably to move forward with you. So you've got to continue to ask great questions. Now, if you're in a business where everything is up for tender, it's a little bit different. Then I would say that you've got to obviously be competitive with your tenders, but you also still have to have some relationships so that you can actually pick up up the phone possibly and ask a question. What do you mean here on this drawing? All those kinds of things that help you get a little bit of an edge in terms of putting in a great tender and having that relationship so it actually gets looked at. You know, when it comes to closing, I can't say it enough. Um, I've just seen so many salespeople who are scared to close, and they'll do a great job on the prospecting, they'll do a great job on the presenting, and then they'll be scared to death to close or ask for that order. I mean, if you're not constantly closing or asking or doing trial closes, you're gonna close way less business. You know, have you ever had that experience where you go in and meet with a potential client or customer and you close them like magic? It's almost like they closed themselves. Well, what happened is somebody else went in there, did a great job prospecting, presenting, and then didn't do a good job with the follow-up or with the close. And so because they didn't follow up regularly or go to a close, you walked in just when they were ready to be closed and happened to get the order. And so that's the difference between great salespeople and salespeople that are mediocre or, or below average is, the touch points you know great closers know they've got to have four to 12 touch points with a potential client depending on their industry and um once they've had those touch points they're more likely to close them right the average professional sales person in the research that i've read you know stops after three attempts the average client's not even ready till four to twelve see a gap there so when you're closing them and it's like magic well it's probably somebody else followed up five times and then you happen to hit them on the sixth when they were ready to do business so you've got to constantly be following up, adding value to that follow up and, and repeatedly looking for the business. You know, really, when it comes to handling the objections around the close, there's generally only four objections and then two to four that are industry specific. So if you can figure out what those six or eight objections are gonna be in your industry, you've got it mastered. And I re- again, I've said it before on the show, objections to me are just questions. It's just something I haven't answered yet. Right. And in every industry, one of those objections is always going to be the price point. So if you know that price point is likely to come up at some point, then why wouldn't you be ready to handle that objection before it comes up? So, you know, if you've got a sales team or you're doing a lot of sales, sit down and think about what the objections are that you get. And then, you know, again, there's four that are sort of common to every industry you know one of them's price you know the other one that often comes up is how much do you know about my business or about my industry those kinds of things right so make sure you're ready for those and then what are the two to four that are industry specific objections that you get if you can deal with those six to eight objections and again look at them more like questions or just wanting more information and often you can start answering those objections or those questions long before you even get to the objection that's even better Then you're so far ahead of the game so far ahead of your competitors that your, your growth is going to be substantially accelerated. So it's all about growth. That is the third success piece to every successful business. Now on our next show, we're going to talk about the fourth success piece, which is leadership. You know, once you've got clarity on the business and you've got all the clarity in the systems, which is the second success piece and the effectiveness with those systems figured out. Now you've got the growth working working for you and and, and the you know the afterburners almost kick in and, and you're supercharging your, your growth rate. Now you've really got to think about leadership. How are you going to provide further leadership to your team? How are you going to make sure they stay motivated and get engaged and, and working towards the same goals and that all the horses, so to speak, are pulling in the same direction? So, we'll talk a lot about that under leadership on our next episode. So, thanks everyone for joining us. You've been listening to Ask the Coach. I'm your host, Oliver Basner. Remember, you can connect with us on on social media. You know, like us on Facebook. We've got a group there called Ask the Coach. You know, ask us some questions. Glad to answer them right there for you. And also, we're on LinkedIn. And remember, if you have a business or you're currently running a corporation and you need help, reach out to us. We'll have a conversation. Maybe even just through a five-minute conversation we can help. I'm your host, Oliver Basner, and we'll talk to you next week.